Welcome to the Elam St. John's Podcast. Our teaching today was given by Pastor Greg Bowers as part of the Spiritual Discipline series. A very important discipline that I want to talk about this morning is kind of two that are almost married to each other in a sense, and it's silence and solitude. And this discipline is one of the most difficult disciplines to practice in 2022 North America. And I want to talk about it, but before we dive into defining what that means and the difficulties that we have with that, I want to tell you a story. It's morning. My eyes awaken to the same sound millions of others wake up to, early riser, which is one of nine standard iPhone ringtones for your alarm. As I hear the sound, I jump out of bed and go for a run to lose all the weight that I gained over the pandemic. I'm not alone. I hope I'm not. I come home, I shower, and as Rebecca gets ready for work and I'm about to prepare breakfast, I hear little feet pitter-pattering upstairs. My little blonde bear is awake, ready to leave his den and ready to command and conquer. Myself or Rebecca run to his room to say good morning. We change him and prepare him to go to daycare. While that's happening, the other person prepares breakfast for our family four, three humans, and our sweet beagle, Maddie, who is 10 years old. Eggs, toast, coffee, water, dog food, making sure the orders are correct and we don't accidentally serve Emerson Maddie's dog food in the chaotic rush of the morning. The clock is ticking. We try to get Emerson to eat his breakfast without him crying for his best friends, and that is, of course, Chase from Paw Patrol and JJ from Cocoa Melon. We make sure Maddie is let out to do her business while we get our lunches ready, pack the rest of Emerson's daycare bag, and make sure there are no remaining tasks. Maddie comes back into the house, we put our coats on, we take off. Rebecca heads to her office, I drop Emerson off at daycare, and then I come to the church office for the day. As I arrive, I do my mental check, what are my tasks for the day? Okay, it's Wednesday, so that means I need to set up for Todd City, I have a message to speak on at youth this week, so let's do some message prep for that. Our staff meeting is today, it's Tuesday, so we have a lot of nuts and bolts to work through, so I have to make sure my I's are dotted, my T's are crossed, so we don't forget anything in that meeting. If there is no event on the schedule for that day, I need to do admin work. Let me schedule this meeting. Let me coordinate a mentoring session. Let me do some promo graphics for this ministry. Let me do this and this and this, and the time continues to tick, 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 tick. Oh no, (laughs) I don't have enough time. I need to hurry up, get moving. The more check marks on my to-do list, the better. I have so much to do, yet so little time. Work, 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 tick, 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 and then the clock strikes 4.30. Just like that, the day is gone. Rebecca picks up Emerson while I head home, and what's next? Well, we need to walk the dog and give Emerson some fresh air. So we need to get outside. We frantically leave the house. Knowing his bedtime is 7.30, we need to do this quick. And that and 7.30 is going to come a lot quicker than we think. We go out for a 30-minute walk. We come home. One of us cooks supper while the other takes care of Emerson. Once supper is cooked, we eat our meal, making sure Emerson doesn't use food as paint for our light gray walls because he loves doing that for some reason. And for some reason, really enjoys doing it when it's blueberries. And after it's finished, we do the dishes. 
We both finally get a moment to play with Emerson, but that hour has come. It's seven o'clock. It's bath time, Emerson. We bring him to our bathroom, drop a bath, and make sure all the sticky messes on his hands and face disappears. We bring him to the bedroom, read him two or three books, depending on his mood. We say our bedtime prayers, and we put him to sleep. We now have three hours until our bedtime routine of 10.30 p.m. So what now? Well, we're exhausted. But there are other tasks to be done. We need grocery items. We need hardware items. We need things that we couldn't pick up because we were too busy today. One of us heads out to do that while the other stays home to clean up all of Emerson's toys, cleans the kitchen surfaces, and makes sure our floors don't have any lingering spills or messes. By the time we settle down, it's 8.30 p.m., two hours before bed. We are exhausted. Our brains are fried. And honestly, in that moment, we just want to sit on the couch like goo, The only thing we have the energy to do is just watch things. Watch the Toronto Maple Leafs blow another lead. Like they always do. That is right. Painfully true, but it's true. And if the Leafs game is not on, we just make nachos and food. We flake out on the couch, play video games, watch another mind-numbing show from Netflix or Disney Plus because we need a distraction from all the crazy things racing through our mind. We watch a show until 10.15. We let Maddie out, brush our teeth, head to bed, talk about how exhausted we are, and then go to sleep. And let's be clear, that evening only happens if I don't have a meeting or a ministry that evening. If there's something in the evening, I'm at the church until 8.30, sometimes 11, depending on the ministry or meeting. I come home, flake out on the couch, watch an episode, then I go to sleep. We snooze and we dream until we wake up and then the busy routine repeats. You see, this isn't a story of a particular event. This is the typical day in the life of mine and my wife's and our families. A whole lot to do, not enough time to do it, and at the end of the day, I just need a distraction before bed so my mind doesn't drain me more. And I didn't list this off this morning to brag how busy I am. As I read out that snapshot of what the day in the life of Greg Bowers looks like, I did it because many of you can probably relate. Actually, for some of you, and I can guarantee this if you have older kids, the daily routine I read out doesn't actually hold a candle to yours. Between basketball practice, hockey tournaments, after-school programming, music lessons, all these things are just added elements to our, the chaos of our daily routine. And as I listen to myself read out the craziness of my day, out loud in front of everyone in this building and online as well, I recognize that what has become normal to me, to all of us, is a way too busy routine. We live in a hustle mentality from jam-packed schedules, addiction to our phones, and our lives are filled to the brim every moment of the day. And if we do find rest, we go to our forms of relaxation, which actually aren't relaxing. They're actually just distracting us. And it consists of scrolling through social media, arguing on social media, binging TV and streaming services, video games, and replying to text and all the messages that we receive. We've come to a point where what we've called our daily routine and what we call normal is, although unintentional, extremely 
extremely dangerous to our health and well-being. People are constantly in a hurry day in and day out. Now, Meyer Friedman, who's a cardiologist who rose to fame, defined this culture of feeling hurried or feeling busy as a continuous struggle and unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. Friedman went on to coin the phrase hurry sickness after noticing that most of his at-risk cardiovascular patients displayed this very, very concerning sense of time urgency. And what's alarming about Friedman's claims is this. And many of you might be thinking this is a recent problem in the world. You could probably go right back to 2007 when Steve Jobs went up on that platform and he had that rotating image of iPod, phone, internet communications device, and that was the birth of the iPhone, and I changed our world forever because there's something in our pocket that continues to distract us day in and day out. But this actually goes way, way back. The claims of Friedman in terms of there's this sense of consciousness constant busyness and sense of time urgency, get ready for this, started in the 1950s. I'm telling you right now, life has gotten even more faster than the 1950s, but we started seeing symptoms then. Even with this information, some of you right now, as I'm saying these things, as I'm saying Friedman's claims back in the 1950s, some of you right now, as I call busyness dangerous, are probably saying this, I like business. <laughs> I like business. It keeps me going. I don't like being lazy and sitting on my hands. And some of you are also saying, I like the hustle and bustle of life. I'm a townie through and through, and I don't like it too quiet, and I can appreciate both of those things. I get it. But not at the expense of silence and solitude with God. And this is the problem that I want to get into this morning. First of all, silence, as we're talking about it, let's just be honest, it's uncomfortable. So uncomfortable that even something simple like shopping in a store that doesn't have music playing is more uncomfortable to us than a store that is playing music. I can hear a few amens under your breath. You know who you are. I am one of them as well. But even though silence can be uncomfortable to our culture, it couldn't be any more vital for the church in the past, for the, few, for the church in the present, and most definitely for the church in the future. Why is that? In the business of our lives, finding moments of silence in which we can listen to God and enjoy his presence is crucial for spiritual health. And a couple important notes when we're talking about silence and we're talking about solitude. First of all, when we're talking silence in Christianity, we recognize that silence is not the literal absence of all noise. It's actually the absence of all human-created stimuli, noise, different things like that. Human-created, because most people would consider a walk in the woods. Many of you could probably identify with this. A walk in the woods in which the sounds of nature are present to still be a time of silence. That's 100% true. Silence further encompasses not just the quieting of external noise produced by others, but also the noise produced in oneself. That one's a lot tougher. It requires the cessation of all talking or speaking only when necessary, and that includes talking to yourself. 
silence also has a beautiful marriage with solitude, so much so when we define the spiritual disciplines, many authors have a difficult time naming it either solitude or silence because they're so integral to each other. We understand that the connection between inner solitude and inner silence are inseparable. And although we always refer to solitude as a place of solitude, Richard, Richard Foster, from his book of Celebration of Discipline, gives us a much more impactful definition to how we view solitude. And he says, solitude is more of a state of mind and heart than it is a place. There's a solitude of the heart that can be maintained at all times. Crowds or the lack of them have little to do with this inward attentiveness. That our focus and our heart is retreat from human-created stimuli, human-created noise, and our outburst of words and be silent in the presence of God to hear what he has to say, to listen. Solitude and the pursuit of silence is to crave a deeper and fuller exposure to his presence. Solitude is inner fulfillment with Christ. In scripture, Jesus pursued these silent moments of solitude frequently during his ministry. We read in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, talking to his father and basking in his presence. We read in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 41, that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. And Jesus pursued moments away from people, away from the noise, to commune with God the Father. We see a rhythm that the busier Jesus was in terms of what he was doing and what Jesus was doing in terms of ministry, the people that he was meeting, the people who used to interrupt him all the time in this rhythm, that the more that happens, the more actually he retreated into silence and solitude to pray to his father. This alone shows the blueprint for our prayer life our spiritual life, that we need to be intentional in finding moments in the hustle and bustle to slow down and talk to God. Jesus is our example. But there is one story in the book of Luke that speaks to the importance and magnitude of why the discipline of silence and solitude is so important in our day and age. And it's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 41. I'm going to get you to open your Bibles if you have them. I'm going to say that again. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 41, and I'm actually going to get you to stand as we do the reading of our word this morning. And it's the story of Jesus going to the home of Martha and Mary. Let's read it together. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. 
Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. As Jesus and the disciples travel, we come across this incredible story. Jesus is invited into the home of sisters Mary and Martha, and we see a story of two very different approaches to being in the presence of Jesus. Martha, who opened up her home to Jesus, was really, really busy by all the preparations. She hurried, trying to get all the chores done and everything that needed to be prepared for that day and during Jesus' visit. Although she was doing an act of serving, trying to be hospitable to Jesus, she was overextending herself and her priorities were not in the right place. As we read this passage, I literally see the problem of hurry that we experience in today's age. Constantly overextending and always preparing in our anxiousness. Avoiding being late, avoiding missing out, avoiding being lazy, avoiding slowing down to live in the moment. Martha is an incredible representation of our culture today, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Mary, on the other hand, does something very different. Martha was distracted by all the preparations while Mary took advantage of her time by sitting with Jesus. And fun fact, what Mary is doing here speaks to an even bigger realization of the kingdom of God at hand. It was unusual for women in first century Judaism to be accepted by a religious teacher as a disciple. But here she is, sitting next to the feet of Jesus to learn. All are welcome to learn from Jesus. But not only does it speak to this realization that Jesus is here to teach everyone, regardless of label, regardless of class, regardless of cultural fallacies, teaching the ways of his father, it's also one of the most important examples for us surrounding spiritual health. Mary took advantage of sitting with Jesus. She listened, she learned, she seemed relaxed and at peace. However, what's really interesting is the reaction of Martha, who is distracted by her preparations in this story. Martha was straight up annoyed. Just to be clear, Martha was very annoyed. She was annoyed that she felt that she couldn't sit at Jesus' feet because she had to do all the things that needed to be done. She was annoyed that Mary wasn't helping her with all these preparations that had to be done. After all, there are a lot of chores and responsibilities that can't be neglected. But notice how Jesus responds to Martha after she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus says this. He says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what it is better, and it will not be taken away from her. As Jesus says this to Martha, and although it is debated exactly what it means, it shows alongside the gentle rebuke to her for her priorities being wrong, a recognition that practical service has its place 
and is truly acceptable to the Lord, but Mary has the heart of the matter. It's not about only serving and not only preparing, but being intentional and learning of him to getting to know him in silence and a place of solitude in your heart. Away from the distractions, just you sitting down next to Jesus as his disciple. I'll ask this question this morning as we read that story, as we let it permeate in our brain and we, we dwell on it, we think about it, because sometimes that takes a little bit of time for it to really sink in. I'll ask this question this morning, where do you find yourself in this story? Do you find that you are distracted by all the preparations that need to be made in your life? You see, life isn't getting any less busy. No one is being intentional in making it any less busy for people. Our daily routines will always threaten us with chaos. The event upon events will continue to consume the hours in our day. You may be here this morning thinking that it is what it is. We just got to deal with it. Being busy is normal. We must work, we have family, we have friends, we have hobbies. Again, being busy is more important than sitting down doing nothing. Again, we celebrate busyness. But as we read the story of Martha and Mary, we recognize that Martha's neglect of Jesus shows us how a busy schedule and our preparations, even in good intentions, can disconnect us from what's important. Her busyness might have felt necessary, as it does for many of us in this room, but in her busyness, in her absolute busyness, she missed Jesus. When we get so busy that our time spent with God decreases, our spiritual lives, our foundation, everything that we do in terms of serving, our mission, our heart, our passion, and our focus deteriorates. And to be clear, busyness isn't bad. I'm not telling you that you need to stop being busy. It's good to be busy. And John Mark Comer, a pastor in Portland, Oregon, wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This book is my jam right now. I love it. And much of my focus in this message this morning derives from his studies surrounding this topic that we're dealing with this morning. And John Mark Homer says this, he says, there are both healthy and unhealthy types of busyness. Healthy busyness is when we have a lot to do, but not too much to do. The unhealthy, I almost did the Newfoundlander drop the H. I caught myself. The unhealthy type of busyness is when there's too much to do and not enough time to do it. Unhealthy busyness can negatively affect our mental health, causing increased irritability, hypersensitivity, and stress. I'm sure many of you have known those things, irritability and stress. We know those two things very well, don't we? A hurried life and compulsive overworking is emotional numbness, which actually leads us to not looking for forms of relaxation. Once again, it leads us to using escapist behaviors, like scrolling through social media, binging Netflix or Disney Plus, playing video games to distract us from our overextension of ourselves instead of cultivating rest in God. Because our world loves busy bees, right? I'll tell you this morning, 
Jesus loves fruitful work. And hard work is commended, especially if it leads to a great harvest. It can't go to the other extreme of laziness. We aren't looking for pendulum swings. I always say this all the time. We aren't looking for pendulum swings. We are looking for the balance in the middle of the issue. Jesus loves fruitful work, but he loves your attention way more. Jesus loves fruitful work, but he loves your attention way more. If we are so busy in daily routine, our jobs, our kids' social lives, the busyness of a church schedule even, if we are so busy to the point where we do not make time to sit in silence with God and not just make disciples but spiritually healthy disciples, then we are missing the point of what Jesus was showing us and teaching us the practices and rhythms of who Jesus was. Few things are needed. Mary has chosen what is better and we need to as well. Once again, the fascinating part of the story that just absolutely blows my mind when I read it is that Martha wasn't binging Netflix or all the things that we do today. She was actually just trying to be hospitable. She was doing a good thing. She was trying to serve. And what's really sobering in the story for me is that even in our good intentions of the busyness of our schedules, we still can miss the point. We get so busy with our kids to give them the best life possible, as you should. We can get so busy with work and school, and it's great to achieve and succeed. We can get so busy with even our church schedule, with events and opportunities and serving opportunities, all done with good intentions, but we should never do it at the expense of silence and solitude with God, where we find our rest. Churches across the country, to speak from my own world, and I see it as I talk to pastor friends who are burning out, as I see volunteers who also burn out, as we live in a culture where we can't handle the routine because we're thrown into it, and none of us are really built for it because it's a new reality, and it's been going on for decades, and no one has really talked about it a whole lot, so we got caught in the system, and it's exhausting. As I see a culture right now where people are anxious, they're depressed, people are seeking counseling and mental health, probably more than ever, we probably should have always looked for counseling in our lives to help us grow, but it's all at this point now, it's getting to a point where it's almost too hard to handle, and where we're going through all these things, and I look at churches even across the country, across the globe, they're suffocating because their aspiration of big events and big hype and being busy is overtaking the core fundamental truth of what Christianity is and it's the peace and serenity of what we find in God. The peace and serenity of what we find in God. Sometimes in the chaos of our schedule, we really just need to take a deep breath, <sighs> embrace the silence, even if it's uncomfortable for a few seconds, and listen. No clock, no activity, no preparation, just yourself sitting next to Jesus, listening and getting to know him more deeply. I'm going to ask the band to come back. Church, here's my challenge for all of this this morning, including myself. To not get caught in the expectations of society, but rather pursue the expectations of our God. 
when we wake up to our iPhone alarms or Android alarms, I know we have Android users, I think Jason Vader's is one of them, uh, I'm sure he'll give you a big, big thing of why Android's better than iPhones, I'm sure he would. When we, amen, thank you Jason. We wake up to our iPhone alarms and our Android alarms as we take on the day ahead of us full of activity, full of children, schedules, deadlines, busyness. Take a deep breath. Find some space. Do not ever do anything in your schedule, in your routine, and eliminate silence and solitude before you eliminate other things. Our God is calling us to spend time with him, to listen, to teach us what this life is all about. Do not let the schedule that drains you, that beats you down sometimes, that creates chaos and tires you, steal the joy of God's presence from you. Don't ever get distracted to the point where you lose that. If you are here this morning and you are tired, you feel like you are drowning. You feel sick from the number of things you have to do. Let me encourage you this morning to give yourself some grace. And if you can't give yourself some grace, I promise you, Jesus got a lot of grace for you. Give yourself some grace. Take the time to pray over your schedule, very practical. Pray over your schedule. And ask God for wisdom about what to remove from your schedule, not what to add. Take yourself away from the gross expectations of society that doing nothing is wrong. Dallas Willard, a phenomenal theologian, a phenomenal person when it comes to the spiritual disciplines, says to eliminate things from your schedule and he expressed the importance to not be afraid of doing nothing because it is in the nothingness where we probably hear God the most. Spend time in silence away from human stimuli and narrow your focus solely on him. God is calling you to him this morning to find peace and rejuvenation. I'm going to end off with this as the band starts to play. This church and its history and its name, the name is Oasis. Elo means Oasis, as Pastor Fred tells us many times. A place of refreshment. And as we look at what Christianity is all about, and we will continue to do things as we, we will. We enjoy doing things. I enjoy being here on a Friday night with our students. I have a small group later on. I enjoy the moments of spending time with others to talk about Jesus. I enjoy it. It's not about not doing anything, but it's about doing way too much to the point where this gets sacrificed. Because a lot of what people are looking for in terms of spiritual health, in terms of well-being, in terms of how do I handle life, is because we don't take the intentional time to spend with the God of comfort, God of peace, God of joy. I am a 27-year-old millennial. I grew up with video games. I grew up with phones. I didn't have internet communication on my phone until I was graduated high school. I know that's probably hard to believe, especially for some of our younger students. But I didn't have internet access, but I got used to it. I got used to a world of distraction. And then I started seeing 
people older than me also get used to a world of distraction because it got incredibly engrossed in our society to a very fast rate. None of us are free from the jaws of busyness and hurry. But what we all have access to are the moments where we just sit in silence, where we have a heart of solitude, where we look to God, and not even just speak, but just take that moment to reflect and think of God. Listen to God, let him refresh you, and it is in the silence where God will speak to us but it's also in the silence where God will also just listen to the quietness of our hearts so we can be free from what is draining our culture. I have one last thing to say, and it's a quote from John Ortberg, and it's a good reminder for us going forward as we continue this beautiful, beautiful adventure of what it is to be a Christian, of what it means to be a, a member of Elam, and what the health of this church is going to look like in the future. And this beautiful quote says this from John Orberg. It says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It's not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. I love being alive. I really do. Do you, love, do you like being alive? I should get like the most emphatic hallelujah in the world. Being alive is great. And in the chaos that, and, the, and the worries, the misery and all the things that get thrown at us, it's difficult. It brings us down. It really does. But life is meant to be enjoyed. It is why Jesus brought the kingdom now, not just in the future, so that we can experience it in this moment together. And I'm ready to continue living to the absolute extent of what Jesus is calling us to live. And it has to do with everything that the pastors here, Pastor Fred, Pastor Jason, myself this morning, are saying about being disciplined to focus on the rhythm of life that Jesus has set out for you. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what you are doing in each and every one of us. And as we continue along in this incredible journey together, give us wisdom, give us strength, and God, let us have some grace for ourselves. God, as a culture continues to be busy and distracting and all these different things, let church be a place of calmness, of rejuvenation, where time doesn't matter, where any of these things don't matter, but it's just your presence is at the forefront of our mind. God, you're calling us to find rest in you. Do not grow weary, find rest in you. Let us hold on to that passage this morning in our lives. As we go amongst our daily schedules, our daily routines, let us continue to seek and reevaluate our schedules so that we do not let the things that we do 
overcome or overtake what you were calling us to do in the rhythms of the beautiful life you have given us. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.